Well, hello, church. Hello. <laughs> Greetings to those of us who are here in Willington campus, those who are joining from City campus as well as online. We're in the series called Portraits of the Savior, which is the reason why we have all these portraits of Jesus interacting with some of the Bible characters, and we're unpacking them one by one throughout the series. Last week, we heard how Jesus the Savior is our reconciler. He brings us together. This week, folks, is the last week of the series. And if you really enjoyed listening and hearing about Jesus, then I invite you to come back to hear more about Jesus on Good Friday and on Easter Sunday. You can't stop talking about Jesus, can we? Amen. And if you've missed any of the previous messages, then go on to YouTube. Um, it's all there for you. You can watch it at your own time. Today, we're gonna unpack how Jesus, the Savior, is also Jesus, our Redeemer. When I was young, I grew up watching a lot of cartoons, Sunday morning cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons. And one of them, one of my favorite, all-time favorite was Superman. Right? I know he's not the favorite now because we got Marvel. Now people prefer Spider-Man and Iron Man. Who's Superman? He's a guy in red capes and wears red underwear and flies around all the time. But what happens is in every single episode, if you've never watched Superman, I can, I can summarize it in just a few sentences. Every single episode, people get into trouble you know, either they're, they're, they're on a train that is derailed and is going to head into the ocean, or they're on a plane that is going to crash because the pilot got knocked out, or, um, you know, they're, they're, they're stuck in a building that's on fire. Every episode, something happens to some people and they get into trouble. And then all of a sudden, Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man, Superman flies in from the sky, he rescues all of them, and then he flies off. And then everyone is in awe of him as he flies into the skies and looking up there, oh, thank you. Oh, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. And then the, the, the music will go, and then that's how it closes. Sometimes when we hear Jesus saves us, we tend to think that Jesus saves us from our sins like a rescue mission, kind of like Superman, right? He will come and he'll rescue us and off he goes. But when we read the Bible, we find that the redeeming work of Jesus is far more than the rescue work. And I'll explain today. But let me start with a statement as I always have done throughout the series. Je Jesus didn't come just to rescue us. He came to redeem us. The Bible says in Titus chapter two, while we wait for the blessed hope, the, uh, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The picture Paul paints here in Titus here is not one of rescue and see you, bye-bye, but Jesus redeeming us. He's actually paying, he's giving up something, his own life to regain what is rightfully His, and that is you and that is me. You see, Jesus didn't parachute down from heaven to earth 2,000 years ago to conduct a search and rescue mission for us. He came to pay for our sins on the cross and redeem us back to Himself. Jesus doesn't wanna just free us. He wants to be with us, amen. He didn't come just to give us life. He came to live with us. How many of us say amen to that? Friends, didn't, Jesus didn't just come to rescue us. He came to redeem us. And today we're gonna unpack the story of a man in the Bible called Simon Peter, 
whom Jesus saved by giving him redemption, redeeming his life and giving him new life. Let's turn to the book of the Bible, the book of the Bible called Luke chapter five, verse one to 11. And let's read. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowning around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and, and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Holy Spirit, would you come and illuminate what Jesus has done for us? Would you inspire and ignite new faith and trust in Jesus? Would you come and redeem us back to yourself to be a people called by your name, your family? In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. You know, th th this story is often known as a story of Jesus calling his disciples. And, and just like every good Star Wars movie, which is every Star Wars movie, except the last six. Um, just like every good Star Wars movie, it begins with a big view of the universe. You know, those of us who watch Star Wars, you know. It begins with a black sky with lots of white dots and stars, and da -da -da, then the music goes on. And then it begins to show you what's happening in the entire story. So it gives a wide view of everything and what's happening here in the story, in the wide view. You see Jesus, you see the lake of Gennesaret or, or Sea of Galilee. You see the multitudes of people crowding around Jesus. And then the camera pans in, it's, it moves down a little bit. And now we focus on two boats and a bunch of fishermen. And the camera doesn't stop there. The camera now zooms in on the main characters of the story. That is Jesus and Simon Peter. I mean, yes, the story is largely called Jesus calling his disciples, but more specifically, if you read it the way we just did, it's a story of Jesus calling Simon and his friends. And the way we see Jesus saving Simon is once again very different from the other characters we had in the last three weeks. Mary Magdalene, Nicodemus, Zacchaeus, right? Jesus restored Mary. Jesus taught Nicodemus. Jesus reconciled Zacchaeus. In here, the way Jesus saves Simon is by redeeming him, which means to free him from the guilt of his sin and inviting him into a new life with him. Jesus the Savior is also Jesus the Redeemer. And I believe that as we unpack the Word of God today, God is gonna to speak to all of us, amen. And as we allow God's Word, Luke chapter five in particular, to speak to us, how are you gonna to respond to God's Word? I believe that God is saying something and He wants us to respond to Him. So the question is, what do I do 
than with what God is saying to me. And I wanna unpack today, and I see in here three ways that Simon responds to Jesus. And we're gonna do this together with what Simon is doing. And I call this part of the Bible, Simon Says. How many of us have played the game Simon Says? Raise your hands. Okay, wait, wait, put your hands down. Simon Says, that if you've played Simon Says, raise your hand. Very good. Simon Says, wave your hands. Put down your hands. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, so in here, there are three things that Simon says that he interacts with Jesus. And we're gonna see what Simon says and how we can respond to Jesus too. First thing that Simon says, or rather, Simon shows us that we can trust even when it doesn't make sense. So Luke 5, verse one to three, it says this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowning around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to, lo and behold, Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. The scene is now set. The camera zooms in on Jesus. Camera zooms in on Simon. Jesus is wanting to get into the boat. And lo and behold, whose boat was it? It was Simon. Now I want you to see how inconvenient this moment was for Simon. You see, the Bible tells us that Simon had just spent a whole night trying to fish. And here he is at the, at the edge of the water. He's washing his nets, which are huge nets, okay? They're not like little butterfly nets or fishing nets. They're big fisherman nets. So they're clean, he's cleaning, right? And he's tired. He's had a long night. He just wants to get it done and go home to his wife. So he's cleaning the nets. And all of a sudden, he hears some noises of people. He looks beyond the horizon and here comes Jesus. It's like, oh man, okay, Jesus is coming. What's this about? And as Jesus comes down, he sees a whole crowd of people following Jesus. Oh my gosh, I just wanna have some peace and quiet right now. I just wanna get done and go home. And he keeps his eye to himself, looks down at his nets and just keep cleaning, hoping that Jesus doesn't see him. He looks up again, Jesus is now moving towards him. He's getting closer. And he's like, oh no, what's going on? What's going on? Jesus comes close to him now. And Jesus says, I need a favor from you, Simon. Okay, now, what is it, Jesus? Simon, I want you to drop everything you're doing and I want you to get back into that boat because I want to use it. Can you see how inconvenient this is for Simon? And here's a question for all of us. Did Jesus really need Simon's boat? No, he didn't. You see, Jesus had taught on the Sermon on the Mount in a bigger crowd, a larger crowd, without needing a boat. Jesus didn't need the boat. And even though Jesus didn't need the boat, but Jesus wanted to use Simon's boat. And here's the point. Many times, Jesus doesn't actually need us. Amen. But Jesus oftentimes wants to involve us in His work, in His kingdom. We don't have to be used by God, but we get to be used by God. So don't let our inconvenience stop what God wants to do in our life. Don't let your inconvenience stop your involvement in the kingdom of God. Don't be a spectator in God's kingdom. Get on board and participate with, with, with what God is doing. He's on the move. He's, in the, he's on the move in our cities and on our homes, amen. And today He's sending out invitations. He wants us to be involved in what He's doing. So Simon says, trust. Simon says, say trust trust, even when it doesn't make sense. 
And he goes on to say this. So Jesus is in the boat now. He's teaching the people. In verse four, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon, put out a little bit more into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. What Jesus is essentially saying here is he's telling Simon, good job, Simon, good job. You trusted me with your boat in the shallow waters. Now here's what we're gonna do. I think you're ready now for deeper waters. Let's go deeper, Simon. You see, friends, trust is like a muscle. The more we exercise our trust in Jesus, the more it will grow, the stronger and stronger it will be. Even though it's little today, but when you exercise the little bit of trust in Jesus, your trust will begin to grow. And as it grows, God can in turn entrust you with more. Jesus says in Luke 16, 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. So friends, here's the truth. Jesus entrusts us with more when we trust Jesus more. So Jesus says, Simon, let out into the deep water. And look at what Simon says. Simon said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. I want you to see what's going on in Simon's head right here. What is going on? What is he feeling? Number one, Simon is drained. He was tired. He said, we've worked hard. We have worked hard. The Greek here, the word for working hard is the word kopiao, not kopio or kopikao, which is coffee in Southeast Asia. Kopiao, which means to labor to the point where you are just exhausted. Simon was drained. He was tired. And the second thing he said was, all night, God. Simon was doubtful. He was drained, he was doubtful. He's telling Jesus, Jesus, I've been here all night. Jesus, I, I was here all night. You weren't. You weren't here to see this. Jesus, you have no idea that fishing can only be done at night. It cannot be done in the day. Jesus, you don't know. He had doubt. I've been here all night. And the last thing, he was discouraged. He said, we haven't caught anything. In the Greek, it means literally, we've got nothing in return. We've poured out everything that we had all night and we've got nothing back. All that effort for nothing. Maybe some of us can relate with what Simon was feeling. We're drained, we're discouraged, we have doubts. And God's ways, God's words, sometimes doesn't seem to make sense to us. Sometimes it doesn't seem enough for us to get by and to go with. But in the book of Isaiah 55, verse eight to nine, it says this. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I have a big problem. My big problem is that sometimes I think too highly of my own thoughts. God, I got it all sorted out. I plan it all out, my life. This is how my life is gonna look like. God, I know how to raise my kid. 
This is the best way for me to make sure that his environment is in the best way possible so that he can grow up to be successful. God, this is how I want to deal with my finances because I know how to plan my finances and I know how to work hard for it. I know how to save. I know how to invest. This is my way and planning for my life. I think this is what's best for my life. But God often says to me, Dan, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. And maybe you are not too different from me. Maybe we feel like we've got a pretty good idea of how to sort out our life, how to plan our life, how to think for our life. And sometimes God's way seems so unrealistic, almost otherworldly. And that's why when we read the Word of God, sometimes we struggle. When you hear a message like today, sometimes we struggle with God. Can anyone relate? I'm the only one. <laughs> Let's get real. Let's get real here. Sometimes we think, young ones especially, sometimes we think, my parents don't understand a thing. They don't understand me. I would do it my own way. But God says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Sometimes we think, if I, don't, if I only dated Christians, then I'm never going to find a partner in life. But God says, unless two agree, how can they walk together? Amos verse, chapter 3, verse 3. Sometimes we think, if I don't hustle in life, and I don't work hard, if I don't pull in those late hours, then I won't ever be financially successful. But God says, seek first His and His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6, verse 33. Sometimes we think, if I don't push my kids hard enough, they will never succeed in life. But God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Proverbs 4, verse 5 to 6. And sometimes we think, it's okay if I don't come to church. It's okay if I don't show up on Sunday. It's okay. Church attendance is optional anyways. But God says, let us consider how we spur one another towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing so, but encouraging one another. That's what God says. See, church, we might not always understand God, but we can always trust God. Our obedience to God need not depend on our ability to make sense of God. Do you catch what I'm saying? We can trust God at His word. And we see this happening in Simon. Look at how Simon responded. Because you say so, Jesus, I will let down my nets. Simon is showing us that even if we feel drained, even if we feel discouraged, even if we are full of doubts, we can still obey Jesus. Someone say amen. Because you say so, Jesus, I'll trust you. In the Greek, Simon replies literally, because of your rhema. Rhema, which is the word that means a spoken living word by a spoken being. Why is this important? Because Simon, this is actually not Simon's first time encountering Jesus. A few verses ago, I think Luke chapter 4 verse 38, Simon had actually invited Jesus into his house because his mother-in-law was so feverish that she was about to die. So Jesus went into the house of Simon and he spoke and he rebuked the fever and the Bible says the fever immediately left 
Simon's mother-in-law. So Simon knew the power of Jesus's words, the rhema of Jesus. He has seen how Jesus's words is supernatural. It's not just human words, but it's powerful, it's living, it's breathing. God's words make the impossible possible, amen. And that's what Simon saw. And why is all this important? Because Jesus' rhema, his words, didn't just challenge what Simon knew about fishing. Drop your nets down, Simon. It actually challenged everything that Simon had believed was possible in his life. Remember a few weeks ago, I said that a genuine revelation of God, revelation of Jesus always challenges us. Here's how it looked like in real life, in Simon's life. You see, listen carefully. This is cool because I found this out when I studied and I found this to be really cool. You see, fishermen during the time of Jesus, they used a kind of nets called trammel nets. And the thing about trammel nets is they were all made of linen, which some of us like to wear, right? Some of you are wearing it now. It's made of linen. And linen, when you put it into the water during the day, the fishes can actually see them. And fishes, as small as their brains are, they're not as stupid as we think. When they see the nets in the water, they will swim away. So trammel nets cannot and will never be used in the day. They can only be used at night. That's why Simon and his friends were trying to catch fish at night. In other words, what Jesus is telling Simon here to let down the nets in daytime makes completely no sense. Do you get what I'm saying here? Did Simon know this fact? Of course he did. He's a pro. He's a pro fisherman. But how did he respond to Jesus? Jesus, I'm the fisherman and you're the teacher. Jesus, I've been fishing all my life and you haven't ever caught a fish. Did he say that? No, he didn't come up with statistics. He didn't argue. He didn't just quiet, quit and say, I'm just gonna go through the motions, Jesus, because you said so. I'm gonna get done and I'm gonna go home. He didn't do that. He dropped his nets and he trusted. And he said, because you said so, I will let down my nets. And true enough, what happened? Because Simon trusted Jesus and obeyed, a miracle happened. It says in verse six to seven, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets even began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat, come help us, help us. And even when the partners came to fill their boats, there was so much fish that both boats began to sink. What is the point here, church? When you begin to put your trust in Jesus, there will definitely come a point of time where you will have to make a choice. Do you want to choose your way or do you want to choose God's word? And maybe some of us are at that point now in our lives. Do I want to obey God for what He says that he, I know in my life I need to deal with, I need to change? Or do I want to go my way? Do I want to follow my way? Or do I want to follow God's way? And maybe just like Simon, we have a choice to make today. Do we want to stay where we are comfortable on the boat at the shore? Maybe where we've never ventured off and we say, this is as far as I will get with Jesus. Or are we willing to follow him and say, I'm going to let down my boats into the deep end and I'm going to trust you at your word. Are we going to let Jesus be the teacher? who's teaching in the boat? Or are we gonna let Jesus show His power, His miracle and His love for us, His care and concern for us, just as what He did for Simon on that day? 
to show Simon what he's truly capable of when you let him into your life? Or do we say, God, because you say so, I will trust you. And you see Jesus at work in your life. Friends, Jesus didn't come just to rescue you. He came to redeem those who put their trust, yours and my trust in Him. So trust Him. You can trust Him. You can trust Jesus even when it doesn't make sense. The second thing that Simon says, he says trust and second thing he says is turn. To turn from our old ways. In verse eight, the Bible says this, when Simon Peter saw this, the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Now I want you to know, Simon just had the catch of his life. He's probably never caught so many fishes in his life. And what does fish mean for fishermen? It means money. Mula, gold, qin, qian. You know what I mean? It's money. But from everybody's point of view, he hit the jackpot. You struck gold, Simon. He won the lotto. He struck oil. He had every reason to celebrate, but instead of celebrating, he fell on his knees in front of Jesus. Why? Because instead of being caught up with his catch, Simon was coming to terms with something far more real and far more tangible. The presence of a holy, powerful God. And he realized it in that moment. Let me share with you a story of my own encounter with the presence of a powerful and holy God. A few months ago, I was walking my dog. And some of you might know this story because I share it with you personally. I have a dog and I walk him in the morning before I go to work. I walk him in the evening when I come back from church. And it was just one of those days. I've had him for two years. It's just one of those days where I walk my dog. And so what I did was I went out of the house. I was walking around my neighborhood as I normally did. And I was coming out of my driveway, making a turn towards my neighbor's house. I felt God's word speak to me. And God said, Dan, play that song on Spotify. And so I went and searched it up and I have my AirPods when I'm walking the dog, you see? So I listen to podcasts, I listen to worship songs. So I changed to that song and then I started playing it on my AirPod. The moment the song came on, the presence of God just filled me in that moment. And I began to cry and cry and cry while walking my dog around the neighborhood. In that moment, I was walking my dog. I could not believe what I was encountering. I've never cried while walking the dog, just to let you know. And that was the first time. Neither have I encountered the presence of God so strongly while walking around the neighborhood. But in that moment, I felt so dirty. I felt so unclean. I felt so unworthy. I, God, you sure you really want to join me on this walk with my dog? God, you sure you really love me and care for me? I'm so unworthy of you. In that moment, the presence of God just came so mightily, so heavily. And as I was walking the neighborhood, it was Jesus, me and my dog. And we were just walking and walking and walking. And I, for 15 minutes, I was in that moment with that song on repeat, just worshiping God in His holy presence. Nothing could affect me. Nothing could change the way I was feeling. I was just so in peace, so in joy that God would accept me as a sinner in that moment. 
And I was crying and crying and crying for 15 minutes until I was walking past one neighbor's house and he was pulling his willy bin. It was bin day. So he was pulling his bin out and he stood in front of me and he stared at me with my tears all coming down my face. And he was wondering, what is wrong with this guy? And in a moment, I thought, oh, he's probably judging me right now. He's thinking, what am I doing? And in a moment, I lost it. I stopped crying and I focused on myself and I focused on him. But I had a good 15 minutes of just encountering the holy God in his presence. And I know some of us encounter him like that. And Simon had that. And what did Simon do? He fell at Jesus's knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And there are three things that we can learn from what Simon says here very quickly. Number one, notice when Simon was filled with fear, he didn't just fall on his knees. He fell at Jesus's knees, not on his knees. He fell at Jesus's knees, which means to say he didn't move away from Jesus, even though he said, Lord, go away from me. He actually moved towards Jesus. Do you see what's happening here? A word to those of us right now who feel that you're overwhelmed. You may be overwhelmed by fear, by worry, by anxiety. Something is happening in your life that you feel is just completely up and over your head. If you're going to be falling, fall on Jesus. Don't fall away from Jesus. Fall towards Jesus. Because when you fall on Jesus, He will always be there to catch you. He will always be there to hold you. The reason why this portrait of Simon right here is painted that way, is designed that way, is because it's to show how Jesus was not moving away from Simon, but he was holding on to Simon in that moment. Number two, second thing that we learn here. Earlier, Simon called Jesus master, which is a sign of respect, kind of like calling your elders, right? Oh yeah, yeah, master. But here, Jesus calls, so Simon calls Jesus Lord, which is a term not of respect, but now a term of reverence. He's saying, you, God, Lord, is a sign of worship. Something changed for Simon in that moment. What happened in between? The miraculous catch of fish. That's what happened in between. Because Simon chose to trust and obey Jesus. In that moment, he got to experience Jesus at a far deeper level than he had before. From master to now Lord. And here's something I learned. Obedience helps us to know God far better than observation ever will. We can read the Bible all we want. We can read the Bible from cover to cover every year. You can memorize scripture. You can come to church every Sunday and listen to a great sermon, good worship. But if you don't do what God says, if you don't obey His word, if you don't put His truth into action, you will never ever get to know God at the level that obedience will allow you to get to know Him. Obedience helps us know God far better than observation ever will. The third thing that I learned from here, He says, go away from me, for I'm a sinful man. But Jesus does the complete opposite. Jesus doesn't move away from him. Jesus didn't listen to him. Jesus didn't answer what he was asking for. And I am glad that Jesus doesn't answer every prayer that I make. Aren't you? God, I'm not worthy of you. God, go away, God. I'm not worthy. Nah, son. I'm here because I love you and I will never leave you or forsake you. 
God, that guy has hurt me so bad. He doesn't deserve your love. He doesn't deserve your grace. He doesn't deserve your goodness. No, son. I love him for who he is. That's my grace. And it's the same grace that I give to you when you didn't deserve it. God, I'm having such a hard time, God. I'm just so done with life. I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to get past this day. It's all meaningless. And Jesus says, I will take your life and I will redeem it for my purpose. Never am I going to leave you. Never am I going to forsake you. I will give you a new life. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't answer every prayer that we make? Jesus didn't push Simon away. Jesus moved towards Simon. See, Jesus may be the son of God, but he's also a friend of sinners. Later on in that same chapter, Jesus told the Pharisees, the, the people who were religious, and he was condemning Jesus for spending time with sinners. And this is what Jesus said to them. He said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And sometimes we hear the word repentance like, oh man, it's so scary. What is this? Do I have to like eat dirt and put ash on my head? No, it sounds scary, but really what it means is this, is the Greek word metanoia, which literally means to change your mind. Change your mind about something. To turn around, a 180 degree turn towards where you were going, now turn back. Simon says, Simon says, say turn, turn. Turn from your old ways, change your mind. And here's something that I learned about changing. If we want to change our future, we have to confront our present. If you want to change for your future, you have to confront what is real and what is here now. You see, you can't action on what you won't acknowledge. It's not there, it's not there. I'm not bad, I'm not a sinner, I didn't do wrong. You can't action on it. You can't remedy what you won't reveal. If you go to a doctor and you're hiding all your symptoms, your cuts and your bruises, the doctor can't treat you. You can't remedy what you won't reveal. You can't change what you're not willing to confront in your life. And Simon here, he confronts the truth about himself. I am a sinner. I am sinful, God. Friends, I've got good news. Even if you've sinned in the past, or even if you're sinning now, you are not your sin. You are not your affair. You are not your addiction to drugs, to vape, to pornography. You are not your lies, your violence, your hatred, your anger. You are not even what you're experiencing in your other relationships other than Jesus. You are not one night stands. You are not having frivolous nights with your partner. You are not your sin. You are not defined by your past. You have a future in Jesus. You may be a product of your past, but you're not a prisoner to it. You can turn from your ways. 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Jesus came to free you from your sins and the shame of your mistakes. He didn't come just to break the guilt of your sin, but He also came to break the shame of your mistakes. He came to free you 
to give you a new life. He came to cleanse you and to change you. If you simply choose to change your mind, to turn, to repent. Friends, Jesus didn't come just to rescue us. He came to redeem those of us who are willing to change, who are willing to repent. And you can change and turn from your old ways. So Simon says, number one, trust. Simon says, number two, turn. Simon says, number three, finally, take on your new life with Jesus. Luke chapter five, verse 10, it says this, Jesus says this to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Sinful Simon, he was so scared. And Jesus responded, not with hatred or anger. He, he, he attended to Simon with surprising kindness and love and grace. Because here's the truth, friends. Jesus doesn't avoid sinners. Instead, he goes all the way, all the way on the cross to die, to pay for your sins and my sins to bring us good news and hope and a new life. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says this, This is how we know what love is. Christ, Jesus, laid down His life for us. Jesus didn't come just to make bad people good. He didn't come just to make sinful people sin-free. He came to make spiritually dead people alive in Him. But not just that, there's more. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And then later on, it goes, this, it goes on to say this, for you, we are God's handiwork, His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God has good, good works in plan for you, which God prepared in advance for you to be doing. Did you catch that? On the one hand, we are made alive because of Jesus. On the other hand, we are made for His good purpose. That's what it means for Jesus to redeem us. We are saved by grace, but not just for life after death, but now. It includes a new way of living now. It includes doing good for the people around us. It includes living and breathing a new life and fulfilling His plans for yours, for your life. So friends, Jesus didn't come just to rescue us. He came to redeem us, not just from our past, but for His good purpose. He has a plan for you. Listen to what Jesus says to Simon. From now on. What that means is a clear break from the past. The ways of the past is done. From now on, it's going to be different. What you did before, Simon, you used to catch fishes that were doomed to die in the market. From now on, I want you to catch people and you will help them live. In the past, Simon, you were just doing every day, washing nets, fishing, without a sense of purpose and a goal. From now on, you will follow me and you will follow my plans and, your pur and my purpose for you. Jesus is giving the same invitation to all of us here today. If you've been fighting addictions and illness, from now on, you can have God's restoring presence. If you have been battling fears and anxieties in your life, from now on, you can have His perfect peace. If you've been struggling in your relationships, from now on, you can have God's reconciling love. If you've been searching for a purpose in your life and you're asking, what is my life meant to be about? From now on, 
you can receive God's good purpose and live for His good plans in your life. So Simon says, from now on, say from now on, church. From now on, you too can take on your new life with Jesus. And as the band comes up to lead us in the close, I'll share with you a story. On the 5th of March this year, 2023, the West Australian newspaper, which is a local newspaper here in Perth, they published a full two-page article. And that article, you can find it on the 5th of March, that full two-page article begins with a title that says this, Gangster Saved by the Lord. When I saw that, I couldn't believe my eyes. The West Australian is not a Christian newspaper, but they wrote a whole article about a man, a gangster saved by the Lord. It reports the story of a man called Ritzk Yakub, and, and the article begins like this. Literally, this is how it starts. Ritz Yakub looks like a gangster. He walks like a gangster. He sounds like a gangster. You see, what happened is Yakub spent 43, he is 43 this year. He spent most of his 43 years of his life in crime and in jail. And this is what he recounted. He told the journalist this. He said he was involved in aggravated burglary, violence, fraud, stealing, possessing illegal weapons, assaulting policemen, making explosive and dealing drugs. He himself admitted and he said this, I've stabbed, I've been stabbed maybe five times and I've stabbed people back. I've done some horrible things to people. But in 2017, Yakub hit a turning point in his life where he was in the same prison cell as a Malaysian pilot. I don't know how the pilot got there, but he was there by God's divine purpose. So Yakub said of the man, he was a man of strong Christian faith. He knew I was Muslim, but he wanted to pray for me. And I was like, nah, I'm all good, bro. Nah, I'm all good. How many of us have heard that before? Nah, I'm all good, bro. So he always rejected the pilot. I know who Jesus is. That's what Yakub said. But the pilot kept telling Yakub about Jesus, asking to pray for him. Can I pray for you? telling him more and more about Jesus every day. And eventually Yakub gave up and said, all right, okay, okay, okay. I'll let you pray for me just this one time. And halfway through that prayer, Yakub fell on his knees and he began to cry. He broke down in uncontrollable tears and he recounted, he said this in the newspaper, I have never felt anything like it before. I asked him, why was I feeling so emotional? And he explained in that moment, I have been touched by the Lord. I asked him, how can I get to feel like that all the time? And he replied, by accepting Jesus into your heart. Since that night, my life was turned around. And since then, Jesus had redeemed Yakub's life and gave him a new life and a new purpose to live for. Since then, he married a woman who would love him despite his past. He says, he, she loves me so much because she loves God even more. Since then, he's found a new purpose and a new calling in life. He's now helping the Department of Justice help prisoners who come out of prison to reintegrate into society by helping them to find homes and jobs. He is helping the Department of Justice. Can you imagine? 
And he's doing this every day of his life now. Wow, what a story. What a turnaround, friends. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can redeem us the way that He did for Yakub. Only Jesus can make something out of ashes and bring new life into what was dead. Only Jesus can set us on that path, the plan and the purpose that He has created us for. This is our Redeemer. Jesus came to redeem you too. He wants in on your life, friends. And all you need to do is to put your trust in Him, to turn from your old ways and to take on your new life in Jesus. With every eyes closed right now, would you just bow your heads? What I wanna do for us in this moment is I don't want this series and I don't want this sermon to end without you saying yes to Jesus if you've never said yes to Jesus. If you aren't a Christian today, or you're not sure if you're a Christian, even if you're a child, a, 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 a primary school kid and you join us today in the auditorium, if you've never put your trust in Jesus or you're not sure, I want you to receive Jesus into your life today. Don't let this moment pass you by. Jesus wants in on your life. And if that's you and you wanna receive Jesus into your heart, I wanna pray with you. And it's very simple. All I need to do is just to have you to repeat the same words after me. So follow me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. I know that I am a sinner. I know that I need you. Come on church, let's pray this together. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins so that I can come back to Him. Today I receive Jesus into my life as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Redeemer. Help me to understand what that means more and more for the days that are to come. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand clap in this place?